0: Hey, everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it's your first time hanging out with us, it's kind of a good week for it to be your first time, because we were mixing things up a little bit around here. All right, so last week, the Holland family, my family, we had a little bit of a surprise. Well, a nine months in waiting surprise, if you can still call it that. We welcomed our third little nugget into the world. And the whole time this little guy was growing, I just kept praying about how in the world am I going to juggle three kids, which feels decidedly different than two, right? Like the first and second, you all can kind of do like the the one-on-one approach, but with three, you can't do that anymore. Okay. So I'm, I'm just thinking through, okay, we have so much going on already. How are we going to add a third? But I also know without a doubt that we need this little guy in our family. So as I was praying through it and trying to figure out how do I how do I juggle the kids and continue contract work and this ministry that I've grown to love so much. And outside of, you know, just losing my ever loving mind, trying to force it all to work together, I decided I'd rather take a minute. I really want to lean into this new season. And I've spent a lot of past seasons similar to this, just trying to get through instead of actually enjoying it right? Like I'm just trying to make it. I want to change my attitude from just trying to make it and instead make the best of it and figure out what am I learning right now? What is what's really good and what do I need to work on? And so but to do that, I knew some things had to come off the plate a little bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to hand off No One Told Me to some trusted friends. So I'd like to welcome you to Good to Know with Sam Hicks Ed Caitlin McCall. This is going to be a little mini series where they're going to cover these topics that are just plain good to know as you navigate the expected and unexpected of your everyday. And I know without question, you are better for listening. And I can't wait to be back with you on the other side. But for now, I'm sure there's a kid screaming somewhere that I've got to get to. So here are Sam and Caitlin with what's good to know.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the mini-series Good to Know on the No One Told Me podcast. My name is Sam. And my name is Caitlin. And we are so excited to be in week three of this series. So, Caitlin, I have a question for you. Okay. Will you tell me what you wanted to be when you grew up? Like, when I was a kid? Yeah. Like, in third grade. In third grade, specifically? Maybe not specifically, but...
2: (laughs) Well, I can tell you, in third grade, specifically, I had started a little girl band... Oh, We were called the CCGs What does that stand for? The Christian Cheetah Girls Incredible
1: Did you not know well, this? I have never heard
2: right this now. story We rewrote every Cheetah Girl song to be Christian Oh, okay so, I think we should release <laughs> This is this like songs. the pinnacle of my childhood <laughs> Do you remember that song? Girl Power Yeah God Power Incredible I think in third grade I probably wanted to at least be a top 10 finalist on American
1: Idol I think we all did Let's be honest. For sure. I really, really wanted to be a veterinarian.
2: That's... See, I'm coming in and I'm like, I wanted to be a star. You want to be a superstar.
1: And you're like, I wanted to take care of animals. But here's the thing. I didn't know that like animals would come really sick. I thought vets just got to hang out with pets all the time.
2: You were imagining petting a dog, yeah. chilling. And when I found that out, it was the end. I realistically always wanted to be a music teacher. And even though we joke, obviously, we all loved watching Carrie Underwood win American Idol. And that was like just this dream
1: core memory. I did
2: want to be a music teacher. I really did. And I went to school for it. But Mm -hmm. that's not exactly what I ended up doing. And I think for all of us, we get to a certain point where our life takes a little bit of a different path, whether we decided it or not. And it can cause us to fear the future. Mm hmm. I was just talking the other day to somebody about worry and about how we have an issue laying down and surrendering worry Mm. because we worry about everything. And at that point in time, I would have said, I'm probably not a worrier. I get worried and I get anxious, but Mm. I thought about it. I actually worry all the time. I mean, seriously, I worry before my head leaves the pillow and as soon as my head hits the pillow Mm. every day, and I worry just about the most random things like, am I going to get to work on time or did I miss something on my to do list or is that person mad at me? (laughs) And I probably wouldn't have identified that way if I hadn't had that conversation. But I would say I really struggle with this topic because it's such a part of me, Mm. so much so that I probably don't even realize it at times. What about you? I mean, what's your relationship with this topic? I know that this is going to be a tough one for you because you are an
1: Enneagram six. (laughs) This is true. Yes, I'm an Enneagram six. And to say fear is a giant part of my life, I feel like is probably an accurate way to say it. And I honestly hate that because whenever I say that I have fear in my life, people immediately just form assumptions about that. But for me, it's not this like, irrational fear but it's more of a hypothetical fear for me oh
2: the worst yeah
1: like I just think through all these different scenarios and I would say it's to prepare myself for anything and everything that can happen Mm -hmm. I'm proactive if you will but if I sit too long my mind can just kind of like race with things that are not true and things that maybe could happen, but also probably are not going to happen. So for me, worry comes in the hypothetical sense. And I think this is why this topic can hit so many people is because what you are afraid of spans a variety of topics. Yes. It can be, am I going to be late? Is this person mad at me? It also could be, I am afraid of heights and roller coasters or snakes. Spiders. Can we not even talk about it? Let's just not. Let's just not do it.
2: But also we have things like fear of rejection. And a fear of rejection is something that hasn't happened. It's just something that you are afraid of happening, which kind of informs
1: how you behave. Exactly. Or also we could be afraid of failure or being misunderstood, which are both things that are in the future. I think all of this stems from a fear of the unknown, Fear has this potential, like anything, to be all-consuming, and today we just really want to take these minutes that we're together to look through practical ways to navigate a world full of things that breed worry and fear and anxiety, and we want to replace that with truth that leads us to freedom because we know that with Jesus, we do not have to have fear for our future. No one actually wants fear in their life like it is not welcomed it is not something that we are seeking after. the average human experiences fear countless times in their lifetime so you're not alone if you are afraid but also knowing that it shouldn't be a surprise to find out that there's so many stories in the Bible about people who are afraid and how they interact with fear and so many of our favorite Bible characters had to deal with fear in their journey here on earth. We talked about Adam and Eve in the garden. And this is the first mention of fear in the Bible. In chapter three of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, it says that they hid themselves from God because they were afraid. But you also see so many other ones too, like Moses was afraid when God told him to leave his humble profession and confront Pharaoh. The 10 leaders that Moses sent into the promised land, they came back afraid of the giants that they saw, which then led them to remain another 40 years in the wilderness casually wondering because they were afraid. Mm -hmm. They didn't go into what God promised them because they were afraid, but we have more people like Jonah. He's a prophet sent by God to preach to the people of Nineveh, but he was afraid to step into that calling, which then landed him into the belly of a fish. But then we also know in the new Testament that the disciples were afraid when the storms and the physical things going on around them came upon the sea, even though Jesus was with them.
2: Yeah, we see countless instances in the Bible of fear. I think often knowing the outcome of those stories can tame the reality of what their fear actually was. Mm -hmm. We talk about the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years because they were afraid of the dangers of the promised land, but we know that they made it to the promised land. Yeah. And so a lot of times we can look upon their fear and say, man, it wasn't that bad. Why didn't they just trust? Why didn't they just overcome? Because we know that God was faithful on the other side. You know, before Jesus calmed the sea, there was real at the time in that boat, seemingly life threatening fear for the ones that were in the boat. Mm Hmm. I think knowing that Jesus had it sometimes makes that fear that the disciples felt a little less than it had to be for them. I think it's important to remember we've never had the stories in the Bible without the ending. Mm. We know what Jesus did, but at the time of their fear, they didn't. So, As followers of Jesus with access to his word on this topic of fear, we have to remember that every instance of fear that we're pointed to in the Bible that God eradicated, that's a testament to his faithfulness even now. And having access to that makes us a witness to what he did yeah because his word is true and it's active for us today so we have to look at these passages with the power that they possess and when we see someone in the bible who was afraid we can put ourselves in their shoes because we know what it's like to be afraid too Mm -hmm. we know what it's like to look at a future of unknown too and knowing the end of their story and how it worked out for them it should not weaken the reality of their fear. Yeah, It should strengthen our faith knowing he'll do the same thing for us.
1: Yeah, that is so good. Just a reminder that there is so much purpose in when you read scripture, finding yourself... Within the characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've never read the story of Jesus calming the sea with the disciples, you can check that in Matthew 8 or Mark 4 or Luke 8. Because when you get to see how people in the Bible who walked with Jesus interact with this fear that we experience, it kind of gives us some direction on how we should do that. We love the Bible because there's so much wisdom to glean, but something very specific about fear that can plague your mind so much is the battle of the what ifs, the battle of the mm. mind. What ifs can take so many different forms. You could be married for five years and you're on a fertility journey, and you could be thinking, what if this doesn't work? Or maybe you're a college graduate, and you still haven't found a job yet. And it's been months after your graduation, and your parents are putting pressure on you. And you might be thinking, what if you just wasted the last four to six years? Or maybe you're a new mom who just welcomed home a sweet baby. And you're really overwhelmed. And you're thinking, what if I can't do this? And The thing is, we aren't actually fighting these thoughts. In our life, we are just thinking them. We're thinking worst case scenario. We're dwelling on that, but we're not actually fighting them. Oftentimes, our deepest anxieties are not over something in the past or even something in the present, but something in the future. And the truth is, when we fix our minds on the what ifs of the future, our joy is actually stripped in the present. That's the word. Fear will rob us of our joy. That's true.
2: I did a Bible study one time and it equated fear to being a robber. But I think it's interesting because there's a difference between a robber and a thief. Okay. A thief is sneaky, right? Mm -hmm. A robber is threatening. So when a thief steals, the victim is oblivious until after the crime has been committed. Like you get home and your house has been broken into. Mm -hmm. Who knows who did it? right? Maybe they left evidence. Maybe they didn't, but a thief is sneaky. They don't want to be caught. But when a robber steals, their victim is confronted and threatened, whether it's weapons or words, a robber comes face to face with its victim, Mm -hmm. whether they decide to even rob you or not. Sometimes they don't even rob you. Sometimes they get caught. Sometimes it's just a game. It's just psychological, right? Fear does the same things to us sometimes fear will follow through on its threat and I mm-hmm. think that's why it feels so valid to us sometimes because we can go after the worst case scenario and then maybe it happens yeah and then it's like well that's proof that yeah. I should have been afraid but other times it's not robbing us everything works out the way that it should mm-hmm. but the trick here is that most of the time we think that all that's at stake is what we're afraid of. Mm. When in reality, we're actually letting that fear rob us of our present joy. Despite the unknown, it's taking a hypothetical circumstance in the future that we can't control. And it is robbing us of our present attitude, our present perspective, because we're spending all of our time and energy focused
1: on what's in the future. And I know we have a tendency to fixate On the future. Like, that's just who we are. But the truth here is, God knows where you're going. God knows what the future holds for you. And that isn't our job to figure that out. We can sit and spiral about trying to figure it out, but that's just not our job. That's not our place. And, you know, thank goodness that we have a God that's gone before us and he knows that and he's going to direct our path. In that way, but God is more concerned with the present of who you will be when you get to the future. When we are so consumed with fear and it's robbing, like you were saying, the joy of our present, it's also taking us off track a little bit. It's distracting us from what God is trying to do in our present. I think that's the thing that
2: you're getting at is when we're focused on the future and we're focused on the unknown, we know we're not in control, but grasping at that control, I think sometimes makes us feel a little more grounded in whatever Mm -hmm. it is we're worried about when in reality, God just wants to find us faithful on the way. Yeah. And whether the worst case scenario pans out or not, were we faithful through it? That's a word. How do we get
1: to that point? What do we do in the meantime that, is evidence of that faithfulness. I think in the meantime, we do, as Paul instructed the Corinthians, we're to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And if we don't take our thoughts captive, our thoughts are going to take us captive. Kind of like us talking about the spiral that ensues. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to be ruled by your worry and taken captive by your fears. What he wants is he wants us distracted. He wants us to live in despair. And when we're not living in despair, he wants us to dread what is to come. And so as long as he can keep us in dread or despair, he can keep us from joy. And fortunately, we have a defense for both of these attacks and it's God's refuge, which stretches far beyond the battlefield and into the barracks where the battle of the mind is often thought.
2: Yeah, that's a word, man.
1: I'm focused on that
2: statement that you made. As long as he can keep you in dread or despair, he can keep you from your joy. Mm -hmm. And that is so frustrating to know that sometimes We give him permission to keep us there and it is hard. I think I will worry about something and spiral to the extent that I just feel like I'm on a treadmill. Mm. I feel like I am giving a lot of energy, but I am never getting anywhere. Yeah, I'm walking in the same direction. I'm never going to get to the destination. I'm just kind of spinning over and over and over again. And I'm getting nowhere anytime it's even related to the future, even the near future. Sometimes I can feel like I have expelled more energy five minutes before something that I'm nervous about. And I think when we talk about the future, sometimes it is, what is it going to be like post-grad? Was it going to be like post-baby? We really get fixated on those things, but Oftentimes, it can also be, what is it going to be like tomorrow? Yeah. What is it going to be like this afternoon? I think I'm unable to get myself to peace the longer that I'm fixated on my worry. I love that statement that you made of taking thoughts captive so that your thoughts don't take you captive.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's hard for you to just process what's coming this afternoon Or you're the person who is sitting thinking about five years in the future and just being overwhelmed by that. Or both. Or both. It happens. Honestly, (laughs) if we're going to be real here, there's good days
2: and there's bad days. Like I'm worried about the conversation I have to have this afternoon. Simultaneously, I'm also worried about what my life is going to look like when I retire.
1: Correct. (laughs) Or like if I have kids, are they going to like me when they grow up to be teenagers? I hope so. For me, I don't take my thoughts captive. I know this is a literal command of scripture, but when I'm walking through fears and they're very overwhelming in my life, I suppress them, I distract myself, because if I have to sit in it, I have a fear that my fears are gonna get worse. But here's the thing, when we take our thoughts captive, we are informing them. We're taking the fears that we have and we're replacing them with God's promise. But let me Caveat, just for a second, we are really, really great at convincing ourselves of promises that God has actually never given us, such as God promised that I would have a job that I love by now, or God promised that I would have a spouse by the age of 25, or God promised I will be able to have a baby and raise a child, or God promised that I will have financial stability. All of those things would be really nice, and all of those things would be great additions to our life, but it's not necessary for a good life. And there's no biblical evidence that God has made those promises to us. But what has God promised us? We know through scripture that God has promised to strengthen us. He has promised to give us rest. He has promised to take care of all of our needs. He promises to work everything out for our good. He promises to be with you, to protect you, and he promises that nothing can separate you from him. So when we learn how to take our thoughts captive and we replace our fear with God's promise, there is a perfect peace that comes from a reliance on him and an understanding that he will sustain us. Even if things don't go according to our plan.
2: I think that's right on it because we do have these expectations. We don't realize we have until our life doesn't pan out the way that we thought it was going to. And I think the fears of those expectations, not coming through is what we get caught up in a lot of times. I love that you said that the perfect peace comes from a reliance Mm -hmm. on him I don't know how many people pick a word for the year, but for 2023, my word, I knew at the very beginning of the year it needed to have something to do with dependency on God Mm. because I just found myself constantly feeling like I was falling short of actually depending on Him. And it was for one of two reasons. I was either not leaning on him and feeling the repercussions of the fear of the unknown and Mm. trying to grasp for control about those things. Or I was way too self-assured and I was way too confident that I could do it on my own. And it felt like no matter what it was in my life, I was on one end of the spectrum or the other. I was either, I got this and I was forgetting that (laughs) actually I don't, he's got it. I'm just not crediting him with that. Or... I don't got this. And I was forgetting, Hey, I need to go to you for it when I don't have it. And always, even when I feel like I have it. So my word for 2023 is rely. And if I'm afraid or anxious or worried, I'm slowly gaining a better understanding of what it means to use that word as a reminder that I do not possess the power to walk without God's presence. Yeah. I think when we experience fear, we're experiencing weakness. We're experiencing some evidence of weakness in our life, whether it's the inability to get where we want to go, whether it's just this reality that we don't know everything and weakness will drive us to our knees sometimes. And while we're down there, we might as well be in prayer over it. Might as well. You know, and I think fear can drive us to prayer when we remember that we can only get through it with God's presence. I would much rather be prayerful while I'm fearful Mm -hmm. than be fearful and that's it. We talked a lot about faith in our first episode and I think this is just another good reminder that when it comes to fear and when it comes to seeking peace, which is the opposite of fear, that only comes with a reliance on the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. And every space that fear has access to is a space that faith cannot have access to. Yeah. So if we're letting fear take over an area of our life, we are saying no to faith in that they can't coexist. The two cannot live together in your mind. Mm -hmm. If you can figure out where your fear is, then you have a location to send your faith to because those two things do not go together. And, Don't get me wrong. There are times when faith requires so much more energy than fear, believe it or not, because Mm -hmm. what's in front of your face is much easier to just be afraid of than it is to look beyond for what God asks us to believe. And a lot of times we do have valid fears. We do have these circumstances that aren't looking great. It's not going to go the way we thought Mm -hmm. or Maybe it's just not going the way that we thought and it's a present fear and we're living in that reality. But faith, while it might be harder to grab hold of, it's actually much easier to live with Yeah, because we are clinging to those promises that you were talking about, Sam. God has promised us that he will never leave us or forsake us. And fear causes us to be miserable. Faith actually does crack the door open to something better. And I think trusting that God has a plan is sometimes just a willingness to look beyond what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. God's plan exceeds our imagination. And if we evaluate his biggest provisions in our life, so many of them didn't come from likely circumstances. This one's hard because even when we look around and our fears closing in, it is a choice that we have to make to look beyond it for what he is doing and how he's using us. And so Sometimes the most practical thing that we can do is allow God to use us in the present while we're uncertain about the future, not missing out on what he's doing now for the sake of what might or might not happen in the future,
1: because he's still working in the smallest moments of our Mm. life even now. Absolutely. And I think that just reminds me going back to the story of the disciples at the beginning that we were talking about. And when they're on the boat and the storms are coming and they're afraid you made a statement that said fear and peace are contradictory of each other. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible to see what Jesus speaks over the waves and what he speaks over the winds. And he says, peace, be still. And in our lives, it's like, okay, yes, I don't want to be afraid. I want this peace that I see so clearly can only come from God can only come through Jesus. And so I think for me, like I'm a practical girl. I feel like all of us see that we don't want to take up fear. We don't want fear to be our future. And we understand what Paul is saying in Corinthians to take our thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. But how do we practically do this? Can you kind of like encourage us? I'm, I'm speaking as of someone who does also need this right Me now. Me too,
2: though. And I think both of us will always constantly say in every conversation that we're in, a lot of times we are speaking the truth of the word over ourselves. And I feel that so real in this topic mm-hmm. because I think both of us have this tendency to lean into our fear when we feel like it's hard. And, you know, I love that verse of Psalm ninety four nineteen. I think um, it's 18 or 19. that says, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Mm. And it's that idea that God's not even offering us this, relief from our fear and our worry he's offering us the polar opposite yeah. of it and i think practically we have to remember the banner verse for worry don't be anxious about anything but in everything with prayer and petition present your requests to god mm-hmm. i think a lot of times we stop praying about every worry because when our worries don't go away we don't think that it's worth it anymore yeah. And I know I'm guilty of that too, but it is worth it. Even if it's hard, it doesn't mean we're not still commanded to do it. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we're faced with this reality of my prayers aren't making my fears go away, that doesn't mean you stop praying. But sometimes we do need to evaluate the source of our anxiety and decide if there's something on the outside that can be adjusted to deal with that fear Mm. in the midst of our praying. So for me, if, if my fear is caving in and I begin to realize I'm going to need to take action, most of the time that revelation is coming out of my prayer life anyway. Yeah. It's in my prayer to the Lord when I'm expressing my worry that I realize I need to seek help from someone Mm. that I trust, or I need to have a conversation with someone to seek peace. Yeah. Or maybe it's a huge deal. It's not a this afternoon or in five minutes. It's a decision that you have to make, and it's a big decision. It's a life-altering decision. But prayer is never excluded from that. And I think the reason that that verse in Philippians 4 is a banner over our worry and our anxiety is because when we look at any instance of worry in the Bible, the people that are afraid, they go to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And in the disciples' case, they had him in the boat, (laughs) and he calmed the sea. Most of the time when we see God respond to fear, he is saying either don't be afraid or why are you afraid? Because he knows practically if you're not praying actively, even if it means I need to go seek help from someone else to get a grasp on my anxiety or I need to really figure out a way to reconcile a friendship or I need to figure out what it's going to take for me to make a decision. That doesn't mean that prayer is excluded, and I think that we have to remember to keep that as a constant, open conversation with God.
1: Yeah, those were just very practical tips coming straight out of Philippians of what we are supposed to do when faced with fear, and I loved what you said of whenever fear is in the Bible, God's response is always, don't, or why?
2: Yeah, and it makes me think, too, when we were little, if we were afraid, what did we always want? we wanted our mom company, or our dad, yeah. mom or dad, you know, and it, whatever I'm afraid of, I might still be afraid of it. But if I have someone sitting with me, mm-hmm. I know that I'm okay. And in mom and dad's case, they know that I'm okay. Yeah. And they most of the time had a lot of authority over whatever I was afraid of that felt bigger than me. God does the same thing for us. When we are sitting in his presence, we're afraid. And he understands that. But he is not. He's not And afraid. he's with us in our fear, but simultaneously, he is not sweating over it. Yeah. Because he knows what holds
1: tomorrow, and he knows what holds this afternoon. And because of that, we can trust in him. Yes. And so we just want to end today's episode just with this verse from 2 Timothy 1.7. Just read over you. I love this verse. Oh, it's so good. So 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And we want to end this way that we are speaking this verse over ourselves every day and just taking up the truth that God has not given us a spirit of fear, so why are we taking one? Fear comes from an enemy, and so understanding that and identifying that, that when fear arises in our spirit, we need to take captive and fix our eyes on the things of the Lord and be reminded of who he is and what his promises are for us. There's just a holy power over the enemy that only God has. When we're looking at our fear, we need to speak this power over it and move forward in confidence that God is good and he is in control and he has a perfect plan even if we don't understand that or even see it. But we know that he will provide and supply everything that we need for today and everything that we're going to need for tomorrow in the future. Fear is just so hard to navigate, but we're all in it together and we can take some comfort in that. As the cast of High School Musical says, We're all in this together. We're all in this together. (laughs) And I love that. So we're going to end this episode in the same way that we end every episode here at No One Told Me. And that is, what is one thing that you are so thankful that someone told you? I'm so thankful that someone told me
2: this really lovely spring starbucks order oh it is a matcha latte if you're out already i'm <laughs> yeah, so sorry i feel like half the listeners are like Meh. never mind <laughs> i don't eat green things um, but out, um, out for grass thank you it does taste like grass it does i will say i i like matcha I, and matcha is not my daily drink it's just like a treat but when the leaves and the flowers start blooming that's what i want because you it's said, springy to me i want my drink to taste like the grass the grass that's growing yeah absolutely But it's not just an ice matcha latte. I had a friend tell me to try it with oat milk. Okay. And one pump of chai. Oh. So it has this kind of richness to it. It kind of dampens the grass flavor. I'm telling you, I'm not selling this well. (laughs) If you don't like matcha, go back and listen to last week's episode because there's some eye serum that's really good for you. But (laughs) But I really like this drink. It's like a spring drink to me, and it's not fruity, and it's not coffee. It's
1: just, and it's not sweet. It's not it super sweet. sweet.
2: No, it's just a good spring
1: vibe. It's just a nice light drink. If you are loving the spring weather and you want to taste what grass tastes like, you want blended grass with one pump get of chai. A <laughs> <laughs> oh I what about that. you samantha what are you
2: so glad that someone told you
1: oh this is such a trend right now and i like to be on trend but this is also more of a convenience thing too so someone told me to start using a canvas tote bag so i have had the same dingy tote bags it is not dingy
2: you are tried She's and dindy. true on her, and
1: she has weathered. She is weathered. She has weathered you through some major, major I seasons. I literally think I bought this from Target in 2019. Did it break? No, it's still here. Because it's Because I think I've gone through like three Target bags since you've had this bag. I mean, she is tried and true. She is. I'm just over it. Oh, we need to change. We need so to change. So we're going canvas. So I started using a canvas bag, and first of all, I don't put that many things in it. The issue with my tote bag is it was a literal suitcase, basically. It had everything you could ever need in there. And it was probably 50 pounds, if we're being honest. It, it was. Can was. Can confirm. So heavy. Can confirm. And so the canvas bag, I'm not putting that much stuff. I'm just putting the necessary things I need. I love that. But yes, I am loving my tote bag. And it's like really cute also because it's springy. That's and a springy choice. It
2: is. And so I love lots it. Lots of new, fresh, you know, grasses growing vibes today. Yeah. Well, listen, we love you guys. We're so glad to be joining you for this short little period of time. Don't worry. And we'll see you next
1: time. Bye. Bye.